Hello, this is Aban from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Friday, the 16th of December. A day after Union Law Minister Kiran Rijuju said that there was a feeling among the people that long court vacations were not very convenient for justice seekers, Chief Justice of India D.Y. Chandrachur on Friday said that no Supreme Court bench will be available from December 17th till January 1st during winter vacations. Friday is the last working day and the court will reopen on January 2nd. It is not the only remark by the Chief Justice which might be seen as a response to Rijiju's statements. On Thursday, the law minister had said that the court should not be hearing bail applications but only constitutional matters. But on Friday, Chief Justice D.Y. Chandrachut remarked that no case is small for the Supreme Court. The Chief Justice asked that if we do not act in matters of personal liberty and grant relief, then what are we doing here? The court had vacation benches only during the summer break. But Chief Justice Deepak Mishra broke the tradition by setting up vacation benches during the winter break in 2017. The government and the executive seemed to be locked in a war of words over the collegium system of appointment of judges. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court on Friday reduced an 18-year prison sentence to two years for a man from Uttar Pradesh who was accused of electricity theft. Identified as Ikram, the man has already served three years in prison after a trial court sentenced him to nine jail terms of two years. The top court said the High Court should have noticed the serious miscarriage of justice. Local residents protested in Rajori in Jammu and Kashmir after two civilians were shot dead and one was injured in a firing incident outside an army camp on Friday morning, according to PTI. While the identity of the attackers is not clear as per initial reports, the White Knight Corps of the Army held quote-unquote unidentified terrorists responsible. However, the protesters said it was the army that opened fire. Without revealing the identity of officials the agency spoke to, the PTI report said it was an army sentry behind the firing on a group of residents who were approaching the gate of the camp for work around 6.15am. According to Greater Kashmir, Rajori SSP Mohammad Aslam Chaudhary has said that a probe has been launched to ascertain whether the firing was a case of mistaken identity. According to media reports, those killed have been identified as Kamal Kishore and Surinder Kumar, residents of Palayana village of Rajori. However, the White Knight Corps has not identified the victims. It tweeted, and I quote, In an early morning firing incident by unidentified terrorists at Rajori near military hospital, there has been fatal casualty of two individuals. The police, security forces and civil administration officials are on the site. Unquote. Amid demands from some sections to ban opinion polls, Union Law Minister Kiran Rijiju told the Lok Sabha that the government is not considering any proposal for the same. Rijiju also said that the names of those whose Aadhaar is not linked with the election identity card would not be struck off the voters' list. Meanwhile, in the Rajya Sabha, which resumed proceedings in the noon after disruptions, Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman said that the RBI and government departments are taking coordinated steps to check Chinese mobile apps, offering easy loans and cheating people. Earlier, raising the issue of illegal Chinese apps, Trinamool Congress leader Nadimul Haq said that nearly 600 apps offer small loans without much paperwork and harass borrowers for recovery. Meanwhile, opposition leaders continued to make attempts for a discussion on the India-China boundary issue in both the houses. Before the Rajya Sabha was adjourned in the morning, leader of opposition Malikarjun Kharge clarified that sections of the media had incorrectly reported what happened on December 14th when the deputy chairman refused to allow the matter on Chinese transgression in Arunachal Pradesh. Listeners, 
as an independent news organization that does not rely on ads or favors from corporations or the government, your support is all we ask for. So if you aren't a subscriber already, become one today. Subscribe to newslaundry.com and get access to all our podcasts, interviews and reports that are behind the paywall. Our subscription starts at only 300 rupees per month. So pay to keep news free. Trouble is brewing within the governing NPP-BJP coalition in Meghalaya. A month after Meghalaya Chief Minister Konrad Sangma announced that his National People's Party will contest the state assembly elections alone, four leaders from his party have now joined the BJP, the Indian Express reported. Among these four are two NPP MLAs, Himanta Biswa Sarma, Chief Minister of Assam and Chairperson of the Northeast Democratic Alliance, said the four leaders joining the BJP was a very good beginning and that the BJP now had a permanent address in the Northeast with second-term governments in three states, the paper reported. There is resentment within the state BJP since the arrest of its leader, Bernard Marak, over his alleged role in a sex racket in West Garo Hills. The party has announced that it will contest the elections alone and that the NPP has been involved in corrupt activities. Meanwhile, the NPP said that all the MLAs who have switched to the BJP had little choice as the party was considering to replace them in the next elections over their poor performance in their respective constituencies. Speaking to the Indian Express, NPP spokesperson James Sangma said, and I quote, they joined BJP because they were left with few options. The political future of Meghalaya lies with the NPP. We're careful about whom we give tickets to and it will be based on how they have nurtured their seats, unquote. The coalition government now has 21 NPP MLAs and two MLAs from the BJP, among others. Twitter owner Elon Musk tweeted that journalists were subject to the same rules against releasing personal information after the social media giant banned the accounts of several prominent journalists who had lately written about him. Musk, who has presented himself as an ardent supporter of free speech, tweeted, and I quote, same doxing rules apply to journalists as to everyone else, making reference to the Twitter policies prohibiting the dissemination of private information, also known as doxing. Twitter has suspended a number of accounts of journalists who cover big tech and have been reporting on Musk's Twitter 2.0 over the past couple of months. They include the Washington Post's Drew Howell, the New York Times' Ryan Mack, Mashable's Matt Binder, CNN's Donny O'Sullivan, former Vox reporter Aaron Ruper, independent journalist Tony Webster, The Intercept's Micah Flea, political and sports commentator Keith Olbermann, and Voice of America's Steve Herman. Musk has also permanently suspended competitor Mastodon's Twitter account. So much so that if you try to post a Mastodon link on Twitter now, it doesn't work. Clicking on existing Mastodon links on Twitter yields a this link may be unsafe warning. The New York Times, CNN, Washington Post and Voice of America all condemned the action and demanded that the journalists be reinstated immediately. CNN went as far as to say that it had asked Twitter for an explanation and would reevaluate our relationship based on that response. In Japan's biggest military build-up since the Second World War, Prime Minister Fumio Kishida's government said it will begin a $320 billion military build-up that will arm it with missiles capable of striking China and prepare it for a sustained conflict. This may mark a turning point for a nation governed by a pacifist constitution since 1947. The move comes amid fears stoked by regional tensions and the Russian invasion of Ukraine. There is a view within the Japanese government that Russia has set a precedent 
that will encourage China to attack Taiwan, threatening Japanese islands, disrupting supplies of advanced semiconductors, and affecting sea lanes that supply Middle East oil. Yoji Koda, a former maritime self-defense force admiral who commanded the Japanese fleet in 2008, told Reuters, and I quote, this is setting a new heading for Japan. If appropriately executed, the self-defense forces will be a real, world-class effective force, unquote. The government said it will also stockpile spare parts and other munitions, expand transport capacity, and develop cyber warfare capabilities. According to a document viewed by Bloomberg, Japan will refer to China as an exceptional strategic threat in a new national security strategy expected to be approved as early as this week. The new policy also outlines plans for Japan to acquire longer-range missiles as part of a drastic upgrading of its military capabilities, including building its own hypersonic weapons. Kishida will soon address the media to talk about the plans. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a good day or good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.